Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville Show. My name is Jerry Miller. It's the Wednesday edition of the I Love Seville Show, the Wednesday, May 24th edition. We're live on every social platform where we talk topics that pertain to Central Virginia, a market we've defined by roughly 300,000 people in this Charlottesville, Albemarle County metropolitan area. The topics on this show are, are robust and dynamic and nuanced. We have the benefit of a university with worldwide prestige right in our backyard. And for the most part, the positives follow a, unifor- a university with that kind of prestige and notoriety. But certainly there are some negatives that follow as well. One of the factors and forces we've seen tremendously impact this community is gentrification. The cost of housing is astronomical. And as the cost of housing escalates, the taxes we pay on those housing also becomes astronomical. We've seen this community, Charlottesville, Virginia, take every square foot of a 10.2 square mile city and pretty much develop it. I want you to think in your mind, what are the areas of Charlottesville City that still need to be improved on? There are pockets. We know High Street, I've identified that as one of the most underperforming ones. Well, Bo Carrington, the developer, wants to take the land, a lot of it on High Street, and make apartment towers on there. A lot of friction from the community for that. Okay? I've said Fifeville is a point of gentrification. It's a point of um, under, undervalue or, or, or underserving or, 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 or a quarter of Charlottesville that's forgotten and needs improvement. That's obviously coming. Tenth and Page embodied those qualities for a long time. It was a neighborhood, Tenth and Page, that was an open-air drug market at one time, 20, 25 years ago. Tenth and Page, when I was in college, was the area, the neighborhood right adjacent to Shady Grady Avenue, uh, a place where we used to buy kegs as fraternity brothers for our, our parties on Friday and Saturday night. We were always told by the older brothers in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005 to be on the alert when buying kegs. We were always cautious. Now you look at 10th and Page and it's a neighborhood that has experienced massive gentrification. It's proximity to the university, it's a proximity to the hospital, to downtown, makes it a coveted area to live. And when you drive down 10ths, when you drive down 10th, you start noticing these colorful houses. And these colorful houses stand out from the homes that have been there generations. And these colorful houses on 10th, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars You go to Shannon Worrell's project where Peloton Station was. Shannon Worrell, her family used to own the Daily Progress. Shannon Worrell is a well-resourced businesswoman. She took that Coca-Cola apartment building and where Peloton Station was, where Mudhouse was, where, where Mudhouse is, where Bowerbird Coffee um, or Bowerbird Bake Shop is, and she developed it. She made it what we know is today. But at one time, that was a shady strip. Nothing epitomizes gentrification in 10th and Page more than the dairy building, the dairy apartments, and Dairy Central. You have what was formerly the Monticello Dairy Building, what was formerly McGrady's, what was formerly Three Notch, what was formerly Firehouse, what was formerly Sharky's, what was formerly a Latina bodega, a Latin bodega. All these businesses at one time existed where Dairy Market was. 
You have a building that is home to luxury apartments, some of the most expensive in the city. We're talking one bedrooms with $2,000 plus a month price tax. They also have a pretty sweet swimming pool tucked in this luxury apartment. And again, Dairy Market finds itself in the news, this time in the Daily Progress, because neighborhood kids from 10th and Page were jumping the fence. They were sneaking in the back door and they were using the swimming pool. It's a private pool. They shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be there. I have no problem with management of Dairy Market and Dairy Central asking the security team they already have in play, the same security team that's being used at Preston Plaza, Chris Henry's got ownership over there, Chris Henry's got ownership at Dairy Market, the same security team that's used at Dairy Market, the same security team that was encouraged to do patrols because there was some violence happening around Dairy Market. That same team is now being asked to expand its patrol to the swimming pool and make sure neighborhood kids don't get inside it. I literally have no problem with that. Here's where I have a problem as we go to the two shot. The management team of Dairy Market, specifically property manager Rachel Snotty, she wrote to residents, tenants of the luxury apartment building, and I'll read it verbatim. If you encounter a group of kids that do not live here, we are not on, we are not on site. Feel free to call the police. She takes it a step further by saying this. Most of the children that live here are not in the teen-tween age group, and a group of kids with no adult supervision will not be residents of our community, end quote. Judah Wickhauer is now on screen. I got no beef with a private business hiring a private security firm to patrol its private grounds and its private swimming pool to make sure the swimming pool maintains, remains private for tenants. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with the property manager alerting the tenants in the building that we've hired a security team and to be a lookout for people that shouldn't be on grounds. Here's the problem I have. When the property manager documents in paper trail form, email form, messaging, call to action messaging, that most of the children that live here are not teen or tween age group. If you see kids with no adult supervision, call the police. That's not a great look. That could be something, a conversation you have in person. That could be something that you potentially, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. We're not here all the time. If someone's trespassing, call the police. But documenting it is not a great look. Okay? Now, I understand Dairy Market, the property management team, has got to protect itself from insurance exposure. God forbid a local, a kid from 10th and Page, sneaks into this pool and drowns. I'm not sure if there's a lifeguard at the pool. Probably not. A lot of these luxury swimming pools don't have lifeguards. It's swim at your own risk. I don't know any, I don't know any uh, 
apartment pools that have lifeguards. Yeah. Right, exactly. So logically, they probably don't have lifeguards. So if a neighborhood kid sneaks into this pool and drowns, the liability is probably either with the, the property management company or ownership itself. And they, God forbid, they don't want that to happen. Yeah. Here's the question I have for you. Why is dairy market constantly in the news? Second question. Why is the correspondence between a property management company and the tenants in the building the property management company manages, why is that correspondent public record in the daily progress today? Third question. Did the property manager screw up by saying if neighborhood kids sneak into the pool, call the cops on them? Next question. Is Dairy Market constantly in the news because it is a luxury building next to a historically black neighborhood that is undoubtedly having tremendous gentrification growing pains? You can go any topic you want. I can't wait to unpack this one. Hmm. Um, I mean, I personally don't really have a... I don't, I don't have a problem with her asking people to call the cops. Uh, it is a little bit, I don't know. It's not necessarily tone deaf, but uh, it's just, at, you know, at, at, first, uh, at first glance, first time looking through the, uh, through the article, I thought, ah, oh, you know, it's just, you know, we were talking about Karens the other day, and this sounded kind of, uh, you know, kind of along those lines. Uh, a bunch of people just, having problems with, you know, I, I don't know about anybody else's childhood. I wasn't hopping people's fences, jumping in their pools, but I know people that did it. I know it happened. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was a prank or just, uh, you know, a way to get cool during the hot summer. I jump. jump fences all the time. Snuck into pools that I shouldn't have been in. Jump fences at night, in the morning, in the afternoon was always looking around the corner to make sure the owner of the pool wasn't coming in. I was constantly, constantly, constantly doing this. When I snuck into swimming pools that were not mine, essentially trespassing, the police were never called on me. We talked about this yesterday. The things we did as children, I was allowed to ride my bike sometimes 20 miles away from home without touching base with my parents, and it was never a problem. I was able to sneak into swimming pools, and the police were never called. The police are legitimately being, tenants are being instructed to get called here. Here's what's interesting. It's important to throw this out here. It's important to throw this out there. I was at a forum at the church across from Dairy Market. It's no secret. Anyone that's watching this program knows Dairy Market owns the church across from it, a church that was historically black. Now that church was purchased, it was for sale, it was a straight-up legal purchase, nothing nefarious, nothing sketchy. Brilliant business move by ownership. They said, why don't we buy this church venue? Why don't we allow people and families to get married at this church and then have their reception and their after party at our wedding venue in the basement? I think it's called the Brick Cellar. Then they can have the after party at the Milkman Bar or South and Central. And it could literally be a sweet freaking bender party, wedding, epic fun time for everybody. Walk across the street from the church to Dairy Market. That church is also a community venue. So about a month ago, month and a half ago, I'm sitting in this church on a Monday night. 
I'm listening to Chief Michael Kotchis talked about a hundred of us. It was super crowded. We were shoulder to shoulder. I see Bellamy Brown in there. I see Dave Norris in there. I see Lloyd Snook in there. Brian Pinkston there. Sally Hudson in there. I see uh, Will Jones in there. I see Don Gathers in there. Everybody in there. Community leaders, influencers, everyone in there. Okay? I hear management, property management at this meeting literally say to everyone in attendance, we're going to take this venue and open it up to the community. We want it to be the water cooler of ideas, of repair, of emotional rehabilitation. We want to get to the solution of gun violence and solve it here in 10th and Page. We're going to have these fireside chats moving forward. So here's the take. Here's my take. On a Monday night, less than two months ago, you got management saying to the community and all the TV newscasts and cameras and reporters in attendance, use our venue to heal and to come together. Two months later, you got a report that says, if you see anyone in the community around the swimming pool, call the fuzz, call the heat, call the cops. Is that hypocrisy? No. Is that hypocrisy? No. You just said yourself before all of that that uh, that if somebody if somebody drowned in the pool, it would you know it's a liability to someone. Someone's getting sued most likely. So I don't see any reason why this would be a, a uh, uh, off. I mean, Marquise Johnson. Grew up in the area, says, F, yes, it is. The definition of hypocrisy. Really? Literally put it in the comment section of my Facebook page. All right, here's my take on this. I ask questions. I want to hear what Judah has to say. I want to hear what you, the viewer and listener, has to say. Then I give my answer. I have no problem if property management goes to newscasts at a church with the police chief and says utilize this former church as a place of healing and come together. Use it as a community venue. That's what she did. No problem with that. I have no problem with property management saying, this pool is for tenants, paying tenants, and not from people for the neighborhood. We're going to get a security guard to make sure that stays the way. I have no problem with that. Where I have the problem is where the property manager property management team and or the shot caller tells the tenants to call the cops immediately on the kids. You don't put that in a paper trail. It's a terrible look. It's a terrible okay. look. And I think the greater story here, the bigger story here is why is this commercial building and this residential tower constantly in the news? It's constantly in the news. Your, Jordy Yeager's constantly putting in the news in Twitter by showcasing the church and the weddings that are being had at the church. And he very quick to highlight that it's all white weddings in a historically black church with photos of the white weddings. Jordy Yeager's doing that on Twitter in a massive following. He's obviously doing it with intention. Well, yeah. Because... Rory's got a thread about it now, right? You read it. You pointed it out to me. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to make a comment about uh, it. It's, it's a bit absurd to expect... Uh, are you are they actively seeking white people having weddings? I mean no. you, you can't force you can't force people to use your services. You take what comes 
and if they all happen to be white, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to turn some of them away? There's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. They are not actively seeking white weddings. A hundred percent not. Yeah. What is happening is it's coming at a price tag that a sector, a certain segment of the market can afford. That's what's happening. Okay. I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees with this, but I would be, in fact, this isn't even a statement. This is a curious question. This is me asking a genuine question. Could we find data for weddings that are in Central Virginia? We know the wedding industry in Central Virginia is a massive, massive um, tailwinds for our economy. Huge momentum, weddings, right? What percentage of weddings in Central Virginia are, um, how diverse are the wedding, is the, uh, the wedding profile in Central Virginia? Could we, where do we, where would we even find that data? I'm generally curious. I mean, it would probably require a lot of work. You probably, there's probably not anything cataloging that information across all the, <clears throat> all the wedding venues in Central Virginia. I would imagine a majority of the weddings in Central Virginia are not diverse. That would be my guess as well. That would be your guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, that they I mean, are not diverse. I mean, if the price point is, I mean, if we're saying that the only reason that, that uh, people of color are not having weddings at this church is because of the price point, I would guess that would hold true across every wedding venue in Central Virginia. Uh, I doubt now's... any of them are, you know, I doubt any of them are providing super cheap prices. Um, Linnell Lin <laughs> says this on Twitter. This has been an issue at the Woodlands Pool with new public housing complexes opening off 5th Street Extended in recent years. Do you get emails about this at the Villas Pool as well? Linnell, great tweet. Um, yes, I do get emails. So I own a unit at the Villas that's a rental, and there is a subsidized housing complex that is open right next to the villas at Southern Ridge on Country Green. And this subsidized housing um, uh, complex um, has had a lot of children that are going to the various neighborhoods. Redfields is being impacted by this. The villas at Southern Ridge is being impacted by this. And the woodlands are being impacted by this where all three associations, their neighborhood associations, are having to spend additional dollars on security and patrols to prevent the trespassing. And it's specifically done for the, the exposure of drowning, the liability and exposure that's associated with drowning. So you're exactly right, Linnell. I am getting that letter as well. The, the, the intriguing aspect of it with Dairy Market is, is the... Um, it appears to be at the edge, or it appears to be a cat. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, when I think gentrification in Charlottesville City, that's probably the first thing I think of. Tenth and Page. Yeah, a luxury tower dwarfing a luxury tower. This giant hovering and towering over a neighborhood of otherwise ramshackle properties. $2,000 plus for a one-bedroom. Food stalls, three or 4000 a month. And a wedding venue across the way 
essentially for the wealthy. That's why it's in the news. Constantly. Constantly in the news. Can you think of another one more? I can't. And, and, and I would imagine the property manager is going to get some um, human resource training and some correspondence training on what she should and cannot say in a paper trail. Hmm. Because this paper trail clearly got leaked from the property manager. She sent email correspondence to tenants. Some tenants saw this email correspondence of what to do when you see neighborhood kids trying to get in the pool. And it irritated the tenants so much that they then took the emails and leaked them to the media and to reporters. Yeah. Do we understand what just happened here? A property manager sent email correspondence with call to action to tenants. If you see neighborhood kids, unsupervised, they don't live here, call the police on them. Tenants got it and leaked it to the media. And now we got a story. She'll be reprimanded or held accountable or be in some kind of one-on-one conversation by a higher up or a superior when they say, conversations like this, maybe you do in person at a meeting. Her name, Marquise Johnson, who is watching the show, is, um, give it to you right now. And this is all in the Daily Progress today. Rachel Snotty. She sent an email on April 27th. And that email on April 27th is the baseline of this article. And that email, when I read this article, really gave me the, really made me uncomfortable because the email has connotations of profiling. She says, if you encounter a group of kids that do not live here and we are not on site, call the police. She also said, I told most of the children that live here are not teen or tween age, and a group of kids with no adult supervision will not be residents of our community. It is like right on the line of like... Not profiling, not a fair housing violation, but it's right there. It's right there. Let's check out some of the comments, J-Dubs, in my uh, comment section. Um, I don't know if you want to respond to those. Um, Jason Howard. He says this. I, I Totally, Jason. He says, I think you did a pretty accurate bullet point in the first five minutes. The second a child drowns after breaking into the pool, it's going to be a lawsuit. Property management telling residents to call police is a good decision, and that establishes a paper trail showing they're taking uh, safety seriously. The potential PR hit from an article critical of this policy is nothing compared to a wrongful death suit. It's fair. That's a fair comment, Jason, on Ry- King Arayo wrote. Very that's, fair comment. Once again, thinking. you put it succinctly. Explain it well, Jason. It's a fair comment. Definitely a PR hit, though. It's a fair comment from you. Lisa Costello, even if I had the money, I would be very hesitant to build a private pool in my yard due to fence jumpers and liability if even friends came over to swim. Trespassers who climb a fence that has to be so high, according to the law, can sue the pool owners. Ridiculous. Also, water is dangerous. Infants and young children can drown in bathtubs and the small circular plastic pools that one can sit in their yard. 
we, I have this conversation with my wife. The next move, the next move we do is probably our forever move, and I want a pool with our house. And she does not want it. And it's because of drowning concerns. Legitimately because of drowning concerns she has with our boys. Um, Bob Yarborough says, I wonder if she contacted Chief Conscious about urging folks to contact police. Seems like his folks have a full-time job. Note, I'm an admitted teen fence jumper, maybe later than teen. I think I jumped the fence like three years ago to swim in someone's swimming pool, Bob. Sincerely mean that. He also says, I concur with the hypocrisy take. Encouraging contacting law enforcement for this particular issue is out of bounds. It's, it's, it's in the category of hypocrisy. For them to say, use this dairy market church grounds as a forum for healing and community gathering, and then, but, but the swimming pool, call the cops on them and drop a dime on them right away, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the category of hypocrisy. If the pool is at the church, I could see that. But the pool is within spitting distance of the church. I mean, are you saying they should have built the pool somewhere else? I'm not, no, the pool had to be built there. I, it's, it's the, how she handled it, the PR backfired on her. All right. She, how she handled the PR was backfired. She just back, it backfired on her. Um, and and th- put the headline from the, we're talking about cops, calling the cops for swimmers, for people jumping a, a fence, calling the police who's one-third vacant, the department, for jumping a pool, a fence? Did you see Hall Spencer's story about the box truck? Yeah. Put the lower third with Seville Police, 100 open cases to investigate. Another article I need to highlight is Hall Spencer, reporter for the Daily Progress. He's got a story in today's newspaper about a box truck that was stolen. Where was the box truck stolen from? Uh, it was stolen from... Uh Let's see. It was their um, uh, box. Box truck stolen locally. Box, you tell us where that box truck is stolen from. Um, Louis, I hear you, Louis, about the swimming pool. Um, shop on Keystone Place in Lower Belmont. There was a shop in Belmont that had a box truck. Box truck was stolen. This is in the newspaper, The Daily Progress. This company in Lower Belmont, a small business, literally like a tiny small business that needs this box truck for its business to survive. Its truck got stolen. It was not branded. It called the police to report a stolen box truck. They have the value of this truck in the article. It's like $33,000. We're not talking about like a stolen bicycle here. Someone stole a $33,000 truck that a business needs. When they called the police, the police department, a detective came. The detective from the Charlottesville Police Department literally said to this small business, we have over 100 open cases. We may get to this. We may not. Please be patient. But we have over 100 open cases right now. Maybe you should do some digging on your own. That's what the police told them. And I'm not blaming the police. Mm-hmm. I'm not blaming the police. You have a $33,000 plus theft in Charlottesville, Virginia. And the police comes to the scene of the crime and they tell you, we may get to this or we may not. We have over 100 open cases. What does that tell me? 
What does that tell you? What does that tell you, viewer and listener? Jason Howard, Marquise Johnson. What does that tell you, Lisa Costello, Bob Yarborough? What does that tell you, Deep Throat? What does that tell you, Judah? Tells me you can steal something up to 33G and you have a couple of months, maybe longer runway, if they get to your case. And they may not. And I'm not throwing shade on the police. Doesn't that tell you that? Yeah. Someone just stole a box truck valued at $33,000. The cops come to the scene of the crime and they tell the victim, we have 100 open cases and we're probably not going to get to this anytime soon if we get to it at all. And that statement and that paragraph is in the newspaper of record in Charlottesville, 300,000 person market. If you're a criminal, you just got the threshold on some larceny, on some theft. You disagree? If someone, if someone steals a, a $30,000 $30, BMW tomorrow after reading this article or hearing this show, and they steal a $30,000 BMW, how is the, cop, how is the police going to prioritize the $30,000 BMW stolen tomorrow over the $33,000 box truck stolen weeks ago? Uh, I mean, you'd be making assumptions on how they handle that, but I don't know that they would handle it any differently. The police said we have 100 open cases. We'll get to it when we can, indicating that the open cases have priority over the box truck. Or it could be a form of, uh, it could be a form of triage. They could have more important cases. They could have cases that involve people getting hurt, people getting, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but Sarah Hill Buchansky, I concur with you yet again. She says, it tells me more crime is coming. If you stole a box truck in Charlottesville, and you got away with it. Wouldn't you feel more brazen to steal another truck or something else? Sure. If you're going home on 250 and you're able to go 15 miles over the speed limit on a Monday, are you not going to go 15 miles over the speed limit on a Tuesday? Probably. All right, a couple other things. I told um, Deep Throat, Deep Throat, I don't know if you're watching the program. His son is a fifth grader. I think his son is 12 years old. He's been doing these digital visualizations for us, and really just for the community, on what upzoning can do for certain neighborhoods. We have another one we can play today. It's Greenbrier near Rio Road. He considers what upzoning can do for a neighborhood today, how it looks, if a massive building, which could be allowed, is built right next door to an everyday family's home. So this visualization is about 90 seconds and includes audio from Deep Throat. The visual components were done by his son, who's in the fifth grade. I believe he's 12. I think his son has got an incredibly bright future. I love running into him. And I'm grateful for the talent and effort that he has done um, to make this program better. And I sincerely mean this. He's made the program better. Can you play the visualization of Greenbrier near Rio Road 
courtesy of the Deep Throat family and High Voice. Please, Judah Wickhauer. This is a follow-up to our earlier work on visualizing rezoning in Charlottesville. Today we're going to take a look at the area just south of Rio Road on the northern end of Greenbrier, and it's one of the few areas in the city that has moved from R1 all the way to a higher intensity zone, uh, in this case commercial corridor CX5. CX5 zoning allows for buildings of up to 72 feet in height, uh, and it imposes no hard limits on the number of units. You're looking at a pair of single-family houses on Greenbrier Drive uh, at Tarleton Drive. These are fairly typical of the area. We're now going to replace one of them with a CX-5 building. Here we see houses on the other side of Greenbrier Drive. We're looking south. Again, two single-family houses. We replace the one on the corner with a CX-5 building. We turn to Greenbrier Terrace, a cul-de-sac off of Rio. We replace two single-family houses, one on each side of the street, with buildings that are slightly smaller than the limit of CX-5. This is Tarleton Drive, just south of Greenbrier Drive. The right side of the street is going to be RB zoning, while the left side of the street is going to be CX-5. We replace the single-family house on the left with a CX-5 building. And finally, here's a flyover representation of the area. First, the intersection of Tarleton and Greenbrier Drive, and then the Greenbrier Terrace area. I think there's a, well, that's the visualization. The visualization's awesome. Um, you know, hesitant to even use the uh, young man's first name without approval from uh, mom and dad, but Big D's got skills, man. Big D's got skills. Um, thank you. I love the visualizations. And I want to emphasize this. These are visualizations being done by a 12-year-old in his own time. I, you would hope that the city would provide interested taxpayers when they ask the question, how could upzoning impact my street or my neighborhood? You would think the city would provide a potential visual rendering or some kind of video tutorial. This is what could happen. I feel like we're owed that as taxpayers. We work hard to help in some ways finance Charlottesville's day-to-day -day operations by doing business and building businesses and hiring people and buying real estate and paying our taxes. If we ask the people that we're literally paying their salaries, Charlottesville officials, what does upzoning look like for my neighborhood, and they don't provide a visual video rendering like a 12-year-old can do, a 12-year-old can do this. A 12-year-old taught himself how to do this from YouTube. Why can't we get the same from local government? I mean, that's just common sense. Marquise Johnson says that was absolutely fantastic. A 12-year-old did that, my friend. A 12-year-old, and we're not getting that from local government, Marquise. Um, all right, Ginny Hu, hello. Dylan's Rule on Twitter, hello. Thank you for watching. We love when you guys watch the program. Um, Sarah Hill Buchinski, they will do, Sarah Hill's a, a, a realtor, 
um, Deep Throat and his son will do different areas of the city, if you ask them. She's asked Deep Throat for the area of Park Street north of the bypass. I can ask him. Near Maca, near MACA, Maca. What does Maca stand for again? Tell me what that stands for. And Watson. That's what she's looking for. I can ask Deep Throat about that. See if his son will do it. Monticello Area Community Action Agency. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Gina. That's on the way. Oh, he's 11. Shoot. Can I use his first name, Deep Throat? Am I, I, I'm calling him Big D over here. Big D. Can I call him? Why don't I just, uh, why don't I just keep calling him Big D? He's 11 years old. The kid is 11 years old that is doing these. He's really good. Right? Yeah. I would want this if I lived in the city. Um, she, uh, Sarah, they have Davis Avenue done, if that helps you at all. David, Davis Avenue is done. And I have permission to use Big D's real name, and it's David. David's his name. Um, so Davis Avenue is done, uh, Sarah Hill Buchensky. If you guys have other ones, I, dude, it would be crazy if we had one re- request for these for everyone in the city. Could you monetize this somehow, Deep Throat, where you, your son, your 11-year-old, charges like $25 or $50 or $100 of visualization? And then, like, the streets that want to see how upzoning could impact them could basically be paying your son, like, a consultant wage, like a flat fee. You want me to come in and do this? If you did, like, five of these a week at 200 a clip, that's a G note a week for your 11-year-old. Your 11-year-old just figured out a $52,000 a year uh, gig by learning something on YouTube. Seriously. Now, you'd have to have some hustle and chutzpah, and you'd have to go to the associations and see if they're legitimately interested in this. I would be interested in it, but I live in Almar County. Um, all right, that, that's a good question. She's asking this question, where can I find it, Deep Throat? How can I tell her where to find it without blowing up your spot? You've got to give me some insight into that. She wants to find the Dar- Davis Avenue one. Uh, and would like to see it. How can I get it to her? We played that. Do you have the Davis Avenue one? Do you yeah. still have them saved? You do? Yeah. You have it, you have it accessible now? Yeah, I can put it on in a few seconds. You have that? Really? Oh, look at that. All right. We have it, Deep Throat. Uh, Sarah, Judah, Enterprising Judah's got it. Davis Avenue, rock and roll. Uh, put it on screen. Which one is Davis? I've got uh, Alderman Road... Cherry Ave near Shamrock, Grant Wood, and Mead and Chesapeake. Um, let's see. Deethrow, which one's Davis? Which one is she looking to play that we should be playing over here? Davis Avenue. I'm looking up the map right now. Davis is literally off Park Street. I would imagine that is the... uh, I don't think he has it up yet. Oh, he hasn't posted it yet. That's why we can't play it. So that's why you you only have the ones that he's posted. Um, All right, this is what we'll do at SHB um, for the sake of a talk show here and to keep the pace moving. We'll see if we can figure out how to get it today and then play it on tomorrow's show. And then I'll then back channel with him to see if uh, we can figure out another way for you to, to, to see these videos at your own leisure at real time as opposed to uh, during the I Love Seville show. Um, all right, he's going to post it tonight so we can play it tomorrow. We'll play nice. it tomorrow. 
Um, and on that note, and, and I have noticed this as well, of the candidates that are running for city council, the, the young one, uh, Natalie Oshran, is the only one that's 1,000% gun ho on upzoning. And Deep Throat made this point to me, and I've also heard, Sarah Hill Buchinski, you're welcome. And the thank you is for Deep Throat. We're just a messenger here. Uh, but thank you for watching, SHB. Um, I've noticed this, and a number of other viewers and listeners of this talk show have noticed this, and Charlottesville Twitter has noticed this. Lloyd Snook, if you want to put the lower third on screen, Lloyd Snook is losing momentum for upzoning in full form. Charlottesville Twitter sees this. I see this. Stakeholders have seen this. Associations have seen this. There goes his beautiful wife right there. She just walked by. Um, he's losing momentum for upzoning in full form. That's why you've seen Charlottesville Twitter, the Yimbies, the Yes in My Backyards, and Socialist Charlottesville really, 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 really rallying around Natalie Osherin. So, so, socialist Charlottesville and Charlottesville Twitter is rattling around Natalie and distancing themselves and or throwing shade toward Bob and Lloyd. Hmm. Michael's just playing it safe down the middle, trying to play under the radar and not ruffle any feathers. June 20th is the primary. So we are now 26 days away from knowing who the next three counselors are going to be. And it's four years they serve. And speaking of Charlottesville Twitter and Socialist Charlottesville, Charlottesville Twitter and Socialist Charlottesville is throwing serious shade again on Dr. Bryce. And the whole point, the whole way, the whole reason they're throwing shade on Dr. Bryce, who's running for the at-large seat at school board, is because of one comment where she said... Teachers should notify parents when their kids are identifying as a different sex in school. Hmm. Of course they should. Don't keep secrets from parents. Yeah. Children should not keep secrets from parents. Right. Well, kids are going to keep secrets from parents, but... Children who are influenced by adults... The, adult, the adults that influence children should not influence children to keep secrets from parents. An adult should not encourage a child to keep a secret from his or her parents. That's the extent of why socialists and Charlottesville Twitter is throwing shade on Bryce. Because she made that comment in a school board meeting. Don't keep secrets from parents. Mm -hmm. Kids are going to do that enough on their own. They shouldn't be encouraged by influential people in their lives to keep things like sexuality and how you identify from your mom and dad. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. Anything you want to add today? I thought you did a great job, per usual. Thank you. We didn't talk about the ADUs. Looks like we're going to have the Davis Avenue visualization for SHB tomorrow. I'm pretty damn concerned that a police detective told a small business in Belmont that we have 100 cases ahead of you, your $33,000 box truck we're not going to get to anytime soon. That worries the bejeebus out of me. I'm sure that would be a, a similar message in a lot of cities and towns. 
Well, that's a, an entire topic for another show. I don't know the message would be, I don't think the message would be that in Louisa. I don't think that would be the message in even Almaro County. The reason that's the message that's in true. Charlottesville is because a third of the department is empty and vacant. Where in Almaro County, the vacancy rate is like two and a half percent. So there's an, there's an invisible line in two police departments. One of them in Almaro that's full. And another one in Charlottesville where a third of the department is empty. And the jurisdiction where a third of the department is empty, you can commit $33,000 crimes and have a couple of months to get away with it. Dude, do you, you see that? That's a, that's a, that's a $28,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee with the keys in the ignition, Judah. It's a $28,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee with the keys in the ignition. Do you see it? No. It's a $28,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee with the keys. I got a, it's a $28,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee with the keys in the ignition. Alrighty then. I'm sure he'll have, he'll have something to say about this when he gets back. Uh, But he's gone now. So, uh, anybody wondering why I'm uh, may seem a little off today? I'm dealing with some pain, so forgive me. Um, I'm now very curious about this uh, this Jeep Grand Cherokee and its keys. Um, Jerry is. Straight up disappeared. He's gone. No idea if he'll be back. Oh. Hey, there he is. I need to go We can go off air too. Uh, apparently, uh, Jerry stole a $33,000. No, it was $28,000. I'm under the $33,000 threshold. Uh, okay. There the you owner go. came back. They drove it away. Uh, they're, they're going to uh, they're going to Marie Bat for a pretzel pretzel croissant and a latte. Alrighty then. That's the show. Good job today, Judy. Thank you. <laughs>